Welcome to Being Creative. My name is Rick Leaf, as you know. I'm the host of this show where we explore the value of creativity through stories of successes and failures of people like us or not like us at all. At least that's what I thought was going to happen. But it's been a train wreck. It's been a car crash, a crack up, a smash up, a pile up. It's a complete collapse of a great idea going down in a blaze of glory. Oh my gosh. So we're going to talk about it. This podcast in many ways has not worked out at all like I thought it was going to. And I'm going to share that failure with you. Um... Because at least I want to talk about failures. Uh, I have learned two things, amazing things about other people. I've learned two surprising things about myself. I'm glad you're here. You know, it doesn't seem to matter how old I get and how long I've lived this life in my own way and, and been surrounded by other people. Um who live life very differently from me. I live in community and have for most of my life. So not only is there just, you know, the sharing a life with a partner for decades and a family, we also live in a community house and have for for most, actually, of my adult life. Uh, it, it, it still surprises me how... Little I seem to understand about how it, I want to say the majority of people around me seem to live and approach the uh, the idea of pursuing your dream of having a dream. I, I'm so many people seem to feel like um, their perspective on having a dream is something that you grow out of as you grow up and and become this bitter, twisted, grumpy bastard lamenting your life and the decisions you make along the way, like like. Like having a dream is somehow being naive and foolish and childish and and that that's something that we should overcome and, and move beyond in, in, into what what I don't know. You know, like the alternative, as I say, seems to be these people who are who are so unhappy, who are so I will never forget years ago we were traveling in Europe and we, we were uh, we were staying with a couple that were friends of friends. Uh, they were actually um, really, really uh, way up there in, in um, super, super wealthy is what I'm going to try to say without giving away <laughs> their company and uh, their products because uh, you would all know them. And uh, we were driving up to Scotland and then we were like following these uh, directions that we'd been given to how to get to this place because these people were going to let us stay with them. This was many years ago. We were on tour, you know, independent artists from Canada. Uh, we were super broke. And uh, so being able to stay with somebody in Scotland on our first time touring in the UK was huge. And we came around the corner and it was like a, it was a mansion. It was a castle. It was a gigantic castle, probably one of the biggest homes I've ever been in my life. I mean, they shut down the West Wing in the winter because it was just too expensive to to heat. And there's 2,000 acres of, of these rolling hills with sheep, and it was so idyllic, and it was so beautiful. And here's this, like, hundreds of years old, massive thing like you, you'd see in Tudors, you know, the TV show or whatever, and 
And we go in in these massive hallways when it was it, with these staircases, these spiraling staircases up and over and everywhere with those those old fashioned portraits of all these, you know, dour looking old buggers, you know, in their in their uh, English um attire and, and we're just like blown away wow what an incredible place and there's grand piano in the entranceway that's dwarfed by the entranceway it was like the size of a concert hall and uh and they were the most miserable people we probably stayed with on that entire tour in fact they might be some of the most unhappy people i've met in my life and it was at the time kind of incongruent you thought oh my god you know like the whole idea of pursuing as a dream is that you would you would become successful and how do we evaluate success or how are we encouraged to evaluate success through you know the accounting through through what you have the accumulation of wealth and and possessions and so these guys are clearly winning right they have this massive place with all of this stuff clearly they're rich and the house was cold in like every way. They were unhappy in every way. And so, it, I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, and I, well, sorry, I should finish that thought. I think uh, this the, the husband, I believe he was probably in his 60s at the time. And I was, I was distinctly left with this feeling. Like if I went up to him and I said, oh man, this is what a beautiful house. What a beautiful place. Thanks so much for letting us stay there. It was like I was turning a knife in his side to compliment the home or the place or the whatever. Like... And I got this feeling like this guy had signed up for what his family said he should do. They, they, they laid out this path of success. I think he went to university, got his degree in whatever, assumed the family business. It went as good as you could imagine. This place that we were staying was actually their summer home originally. <laughs> they had a place down closer to London, I believe. This was just the summer home. So I can't even fathom the amount of money that this guy and his family were used to dealing with. And yet here he was super unhappy, super grumpy and, and just bitter. And I think it was because he was getting to the end of his life and going this, this is it. This is what I give my life for this stupid old house. And you know, you can imagine a house that's 300, 400 years old. Um, you can only imagine the upkeep and the whatever, and it might, what it might look like on the outside versus what it's like to be the owner who has to upkeep these things and just deal with it. And I thought, man, that's always stuck with me. I thought just, you know, somebody might have been absolutely happy and content. But this guy, I bet you he had a dream that he never pursued. And I bet you sacrificing his dream for the dream of his family with the belief that that dream was stupid and that this dream was smart and that this dream was going to unlock, you know, the door to happiness or whatever uh, is what has left him at the end of his life going, oh, I can't believe this is as good as it gets. Like, I hate this. That was my takeaway from that. And so, you know, for me, as I think about dreams, you know, I'm, and when I think about, you know, opening the door to dreams, I know from experience that that also means opening the door to disappointment, that the key to happiness and success in whatever way you're going to evaluate is also the key that opens your heart to failing and being disappointed and despair and the discouragement that you feel through that time. And if you're lucky, 
And I don't mean lucky like uh, it's just an act of chance. If you're, if you're, I hope you will de de define determination and perseverance and what you are capable of after going, being disappointed and, and, and discouraged and whatever. And I guess that was why when I started this podcast, I was like, man, you know, we can be, um, you know, you can, you can hear a story of success and you can be like, oh yeah, that's awesome. You know, and in some way maybe be, you know, motivated or whatever. But you know, when somebody shares their struggle and their failures, uh, we can relate to that. And I find people sharing that, um, really inspiring. And so I thought that's what I wanted this podcast to be about. And it's been this huge cataclysmic uh, train wreck because nobody, I, uh, if you listen to the show, I mean, I basically am here by myself talking by myself. I'm like, I'm like donkey and Shrek. Did he say something all by myself? Here I am outside by myself, all by myself. Uh, <laughs> that's how I feel. And I can't get people to share. And I thought, why? Why can't I get people to share? And I've discovered two amazing things. Number one, many people, maybe even most, don't think that their story is interesting or important. I don't know if that's you. If I, if I was to send you an email or a text and say, hey, could I have you on the show? I'd love you to talk about, you know, some problem you faced, some struggle, something that you did and and how you kind of creatively, uh, you know, found a solution to that. I mean, would you jump at that opportunity? Does anything come to mind? I don't know. Uh, a lot of people I just found they don't think their story is interesting and that their journey is important enough that anyone would care. That's the other thing. This projection, well, nobody's going to care. It's just my stupid story. That was the first uh, amazing thing. The second was that, you know, most people, uh, many people don't think that they're capable of sharing their story. And I'll tell you why I find that particularly um, troublesome or, or problematic or, or awful. You know, I, I spend so much time in schools teaching slam poetry or doing these um, creative storytelling, multimedia storytelling projects where we write a, a school anthem, the lyrics, the music, we, we learn it, we rehearse it, we perform it, we record it. We also, throughout the course of a week that we're writing and learning a song, uh, we're trying to find ways that we can tell a story um, through visuals and, and, and tell the story of all the different parts and pieces that make this school community unique. You know, when I say to students, I, when I talk about, you know, what makes your school unique, I'm not coming here to write a song about your desks and the windows and the doors and the, and the whiteboards. I mean, that's pretty much the same everywhere I go. You, you are what makes this school and this community unique and special and the people that are sitting beside you and the people in the class down the hall and the teachers and everybody who's here and how do we tell that story and that story might include sports and athletics and teams and it might be reading initiatives and uh, art and music and it might be 
all sorts of after-school clubs and everything that make this community special and give people an opportunity to find their unique talents and gifts and abilities and to grow in those and to share those and to share that experience with others. And, you know, if you play on a sport team, you're setting yourself up for some victories and some wins. And you're setting yourself up for some losses and some failures and maybe getting blown out. And I don't know if you ever played sports. I did when I was in school. And I remember, you know, getting on the school bus after school, driving down the road, you know, to the night I lived in the prairies. And so you'd have to dr hang on. Okay, I'm back. That was amazing. You know what? I got a bill today from TELUS. We have ridiculous... Uh, rates that we have to pay for mobility and for internet here in Canada. I think it's the highest in the entire world. And uh, my bill jumped like a hundred bucks uh, this month. So I um, I phoned him up, <clears throat> said that uh, I'm going going somewhere else, and uh, we, we renegotiated at hundred bucks off. So you know what? It's worth making a phone call. Don't just accept what happens to you in your world. But let's jump back into the story. <laughs> I remember being on that school bus, you know, if you'd if you played on a sports team and you'd go to another town and you'd play and you would win, man, you'd get back on that bus and in the you'd just be chatting about it and, and reliving all of those great moments that just happened all the way back. You would just live it, you know, that the the joy of success and a win. <clears throat> I also remember driving to another town, just getting blown away, just blown out of the water, and just how quiet the bus was. You know, it's one thing when you can when you can be arguing and, and kind of being bitter about, like, the bad call from a raft or, or cheating by somebody, but when you're just, like, fully and completely outclassed and you just get blown away, I mean, it's, it's kind of humiliating. It's hard. But then you learn from that, right? You learn how to come back from that. You learn how to be inspired to be, to get better. And I, I guess that's why I've always thought that this, the idea of us sharing our successes and our failures, yeah, great. Success can, you know, kind of maybe inspire us a bit, but man, sharing failures, that's where we could like really, really motivate one another. And, and then sort of to realize that most people don't think their story is important and that they don't think that they can share it in a way that's going to interest anybody. I find that really sad because I spend so much time in schools trying to help students find their voice so that they can share their story. Why? Because I believe your story is important. I believe your story is important for yourself and for those who are around you. And when we can uh, understand the value of not just our successes, but our failures and our struggles and the way we approach uh, problems and the way we tap into our unique gifts and talents and abilities and, and education and experience and find innovative and creative ways to find solutions that we need personally. That is the kind of stuff that inspires me. Um, and anyway, so that was the two amazing things that I found. And I'm going to just then go ahead and share. Um, I mean, my summer has been full of failure and uh, and struggle. And I want to share that. And, and actually, I'm going to share a couple surprising things I discovered about myself in this process. Um, was one, 
I, I'm not, I guess, like most people, because I believe in the value of my story and sharing my story, and I've discovered that that's quite uncommon. So I was surprised. Um, the thing I wasn't expecting, I, I have done this particular episode. This is my third time. I recorded, sat down and recorded two previous um, episodes, versions of this episode that I hated when I was done because it just sounded like I was whining, like I was a whiner. And I realized that is a legitimately difficult part of sharing failures. Um, and so I'm going to try to push through that in this particular episode. And I think maybe what I felt like I was missing was why would... Uh, why would this matter to you? In what way could this help? Because I don't just want to, I, I don't feel like um, it's just sour grapes and I'm, uh, I'm just complaining. I don't feel like that. But I also can only share my failure through my own perspective. I, I don't have, you know, a bird's eye view of maybe what's really going on or what's really happening. So let me, let, let's just dive into the story of the episode uh, where I actually try to do what I've been trying to get other people to do. Okay, so I live in the city of Victoria right now in Lekwungen territory out here on Vancouver Island. And uh, there was a, an ad for an artist in residence for the city of Victoria. Never even thought of it, didn't even know it was a position. As I start to read the qualifications for position, what they're looking for, I'm like, oh my God, this is like, this job? I didn't even know that this job existed. And uh, holy, is it ever up my angle. So an artist in residence, it's a, you, you know, you have to have an artistic practice. You're supposed to be a professional artist. Um, but you're also like an artist for the community. You're for the residents of the city. So to have not just as an artist or somebody who tours or makes music or whatever, but like, do you have that artistic practice related to community development? And and so I start, you know, I haven't written out a, a resume for so long. I start putting it together. Well, what am I? You know, what is my artistic practice? Well, I'm a performer. Uh, for 20 plus years. I'm a producer, music producer, event producer, and a video producer. I'm a songwriter and a recording artist and a video editor and a slam poet. Actually, uh, not only am I a slam poet, I, I produced an actual school of slam poetry with lessons that are available online and are used by educators around the world. I, I think the at last count, over 50,000 students have learned to express themselves um, creatively through the, the projects and the workshops and the residencies that I've done. Um, I'm a writer, a freelance writer. I've written for, you know, um, Our Canada magazine, for BC Musician, um, who else? Life as a human. Um, I'm a published author, published my own book. Uh, I'm a sommelier. 
um, have a company that does wine events. I'm the creative director for Tribe of One, you know, this national arts collective of indigenous and settler musicians and painters and poets and dancers. I, I'm a podcaster. Here I am. Uh, I'm a YouTuber. Here's the kicker for me as I'm putting together all of this and I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about applying for this job as I'm putting this resume together. Um, when I step back and I look at all this expertise and experience, um, I realized I actually created an artist in residence program that, you know, 50,000 plus students and hundreds of teachers have participated in from communities across the country. I'm like, it's all been, you know, the, the TV show that I hosted when I was in Winnipeg, uh, The Artist Next Door, it was all about celebrating the unique characteristics of distinct neighborhoods through the artists that lived and created and painted and wrote and performed from those uh, communities and neighborhoods. So it was like local tourism, really. Uh, and being the host of that show, I was like interviewing all of these different people from different walks and disciplines. And so, you know, in Tribe of One, having all of these different uh, cultures and disciplines. And, you know, as I'm writing down my experience in Lekwungen territory, I'm like, you know, when I got here, I was invited within the first couple months of living here, I was invited to join Standing Nation, a powwow drum group out of the first people's house at the University of Victoria. And for the first four years, that was really my primary connection to Lekwungen territory, drumming um, with these different drummers from all these different nations um, at every kind of city event and function and pride. Uh, you know, we, we I remember playing at, at Pride two or three years in a row and and just all over hosting our own uh, powwow at uh, the Songhee Center and just such a rich experience. And so I'm like, wow, as I stepped back and looked at all of this um, expertise and experience so directly related to being an artist that, you know, would be able to um, have one part of what I would do to, to really encourage and empower and engage with other artists in the region, but also this history uh, of working within communities um, to, to really engage communities, to celebrate the culture in communities and, you know, uh, anyway, I was going to say, you know, when I was in, in Winnipeg, uh, I started the North End Artist Collective with Judy Wasso-Shalise, who was the member of parliament at the time, and a whole host of artists from the North End. Um, it was so successful, it, it still exists to this day. Ten years later, the North End Artist Collective still uses culture to connect and, and create a sense of community in the neighborhoods there in the North End of Winnipeg. And that was what inspired the TV show. And uh, so, I mean, that was where I, I was got this letter of, uh, you know, recognition from the House of Commons from Judy and uh, was nominated for the Making a Difference Award in Winnipeg. So as I'm looking back over this 20 year career and I thought, man, I had no idea. I never really looked at all of these experiences in the way that I was as I applied for this job. And I thought, my God, this is going to be amazing. And I didn't even get an interview. <laughs> and 
this was why I wasn't able to post this episode because, you know, forgive me for feeling that there's no way I wasn't one of the most uniquely qualified applicants with this incredible wealth of experience, all directly applicable to the position of an artist in residence who could bring this bright, bold vision and unparalleled passion to invest in the creative and cultural life of this city. I was so excited. And to not even make a short list to to have an interview uh devastating right i'm not gonna lie it was devastating but here it is here's the moment how does this moment define me in this moment of disappointment discouragement but also in the moment moving forward. And I guess that is the conversation I'm interested in having is how do these situations, whether they're successes or failures, they're, they're always momentarily. So how do these moments fit in the big picture of creativity and resiliency? Right? You know, from my experience... Creativity is the skill set that empowers me to think for myself more than anything. And as an artist, um, you know, to feel the pain and frustration of failure and discouragement without getting lost in those emotions is really the key of using my voice to do something more than just bitch and complain. Right? How does it become more valuable as an experience to myself, but then also for others? So what did I find? You know, if, if we're friends and you followed any of the things I was posting this summer, I thought, okay, I have a couple months off of, of touring. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. And there's, you know, as a, if you're out there and maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're a business person, uh, maybe you're an artist. Uh, we, it is so hard, I guess, I find, to find time in a busy schedule for professional development. Um, for myself, you know, I work with lots of technology, different cameras, different editing software. There's, when I'm flat out busy going and uh, touring and traveling and facilitating these mentorship projects and editing and putting it all together and uploading it and working on the next project and, and setting up the next tour, I don't have time to learn the new camera. So this summer I was able to buy a couple new pieces of equipment. I was able to do some work here in the studio to set it up for some more, uh, to, you know, in my YouTube setup so that I could learn more about lighting and, um, yeah, this new camera and new editing things and, and streaming. And, and I was just all very, it was like lots of what was going on. And I thought I could use some projects here around the city um, to, to, you know, have project-based learning for myself. So I did, and I was, you know, walking through that kind of perspective of looking at the city in a different way and, and, uh, working with some other musicians and playing some songs and, um, trying to create the type of projects that I would love to include other people in. 
And so it was very Victoria-centered. It was very city-centered. And I thought also, you know, in full disclosure, if, if this jury was looking at applicants and going to any of our social media pages, I wanted them to see, oh, wow, look at this. This is a project that just came up. Oh, he was involving tourists and singing this song and writing this, um, delivering these lines of poetry in this song. And, oh, this is cool. I was, like, walking through the city in the morning. And, oh, yeah, I know where that is, and I know where that is. And, oh, look at this. So, you know, it was all of this kind of, it was a really fun project. And I, I, I think that's part of it taking our experiences and going, you know, not only professional development, not only is that just nuts and bolts of cameras and ISO and, and shutter speeds and lenses and microphones and, and cables, that's all part of it. Just the practical, technical aspect of our personal development, continuing to learn how to use new technology, not getting left behind, refusing to be left behind, refusing to let myself feel like I'm no longer capable of, of keeping up with whoever it is. Um, and at the same time, realizing that turning the key to the door that you really desperately want to walk through or are just very interested exp experientially in walking through. Turn the key, open the door, knowing that on the other side of that door is going to be the full spectrum of pain and success and winning and losing and being discouraged and being in over your head and feeling super confident and having the rug pulled out from underneath you and, and getting up and dusting yourself off and realizing I didn't get knocked out. I got knocked down, but here I am up and I've learned from that and I'm going to carry on and, and I have unique talents and gifts and abilities that do not belong to anybody else. Um, I guess that was part of the revelation for me um, personally. Uh, this experience, um, I don't get lost in the emotions really anymore. I feel them deeply, um, but I've been struggling upstream against the current for years. Professionally, as an artist and as a, an artist with, you know, I've always ended up on the front edge of whatever it is I'm doing. Tribe of One came along uh, years before other people started. We've all seen... Um, so Tribe of One is this, if you've never seen it and what I'm talking about, it's, it's this collective of artists. It started off as painters and dancers and musicians and kind of had a rebrand about 2005 or 2006 to become this you know combination of indigenous and settler uh, musicians and dancers and painters and poets. And why that was significant um, for me personally was, you know, finding that I have a role within Tribe of One that only I can play. I'm the, the primary songwriter. I'm the singer and the guitar player. But my musical partner, uh, MJ, you know, she's a, an arranger, a music arranger, an incredible musician herself. Certainly when we met, her strength was not, um, her primary strength was not in being a songwriter, but she was great and always has been great at arranging songs, adding those things. So I need to write the song and bring it, you know, as best I can. For, for me, at least it would be like, I'm done. 
I've written this entire song. It's ready to go. I would, if I was just up to me, I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to play just like this. But when I can work with somebody like her, MJ would take that idea. She'd listen to it. She would look at the chart and she'd be like, what if we added this bar or these two bars? What if we took these two bars out? What if we added this little part? What if you said this word differently? It's those little tweaks and arrangements that then elevate my creative contribution to a level that I couldn't have on my own. But she needs me to do what I do so that she has that song to work with, to arrange. And I realized, yes, yeah, she doesn't want the microphone. She doesn't want to be the lead singer. She doesn't want to be the primary songwriter. Me doing what I want to do and I'm great at doing allows her to do what she wants to do and to be great at what she's doing. The dancers that we've collaborated with, they don't want the microphone to be singing. They don't want the, the opportunity to play an instrument. They like write a great song with a great beat that I can dance to. Give me some emotion, some feeling. Give me a story, something to interpret physically through physical movement and just give me space on that stage to do what I'm doing. And the same thing with our painters. You know, they've, they don't want the microphone. They don't want to talk. They don't want the middle of the stage to be able to move around and dance. They're like, give me a place to set up my easel and my canvas. Give me my palette of paints and colors and brushes and give me a an opportunity to interpret this moment visually before the audience because that's what I want to do. And I realized, you know, Tribe of One just kind of opened my eyes to how creative community works. If you're sitting there going, well, what you would love to do if you think oh, everybody wants to do it, you know, so I can't put myself forward because it's not fair. It would be proud or arrogant for me to want to do that. I bet you not. I bet you the thing that you would love to do in a particular situation, maybe nobody else there would want to do. In fact, you playing to your strengths and the very thing that makes you the most happy and fulfilled and energized is likely going to have this door opening opportunity and moment for somebody beside you to be able to tap into their gifts and talents and abilities. And one of the things about creativity, if you ever found yourself in a creative environment, a healthy, dynamic creative environment, I should say, is that whether we mean to or not, when we take a creative risk and step out and really do our thing, whether we mean to or not, we encourage others around us to do the same and we actually make it easier for them to do the same. Creativity has sort of this momentum. It's this intangible thing in a room that you can't really point to necessarily. But if somebody takes steps out and takes a risk and you're just like, whoa, that was really cool. That's a really cool uh, beat. I could play this. Oh, and you take a risk and you're just like, I don't know if this is a cool melody or I don't know if there's a cool chord progression, but it kind of feel like it goes with that. And it encourages you to step out and do that. And the minute you do that, you know, I'll find, we'll find in a dancer will say, oh, 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 I love that. I love that. This is the kind of dance that I envision with that. It just works like that. It works like that in the workplace. It works like that in schools uh, and everywhere. It doesn't have to be an artistic um opportunity for you to work. It's, 
it's bigger than that because creativity is bigger than that. Creativity is related to everything we need to do in this life from uh, creative problem solving to, you know, if you're stuck facing this problem, well, you, how are you going to get, a, if, if, if everything you've done to this point is not working or it's no longer working, what are you going to do? You've got to tap into your creative talents and gifts and abilities and experience and education and go, how can I take this and come up with a new solution? So problem solving, team building, huge. I basically just described the process of team building. When you take a creative risk and you make that environment where somebody else finds it a little bit easier to do that, they're going to love that environment. That could be your staff room. That could be your, the, the floor of your business. That could be the, you know, a meeting. Um, you create that place where people feel energized to really play to their talents and gifts and abilities. That's going to have a momentum. That's going to have uh, just an electric effect on everything that you're doing. Um, conflict resolution. Man, how many people are stuck in this cycle of like, oh, <laughs> this is a really extreme and not entirely. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use this couple. I, I live in the city of Victoria uh, and our house is on a corner. And uh, we used to have different neighbors who lived right beside us. Uh, at the time, I was living on the third floor of this house the windows are wide open. It's summer. It's hot. It's beautiful. So the windows are wide open. I'm laying there in the dark at probably three in the morning because I can't sleep. And our neighbors, we used to have different neighbors right beside us, and they used to party a lot. Uh, there was a band, actually, and they were... Uh, they, they would they would finish out their set at two in the morning or when the bar would shut down and then they would bring, you know, the drunkest people from the bar back with them and they would party till like four or five in the morning. And if you know anything about drunk people, they're just by that point, they are saying everything at the top of their lungs. You know, they got that 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 drunken earmuffs on so they can't hear anything. So they're just like and and the dude sounds like uh Oh, guys, they get that raspy, hoarse um, voice going on because they've just been screaming for hours. And, and the women, I don't know, they, 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 they manage to get this drunken tone. There's this tonal kind of piercing thing that goes on. And so one night, they're, um, they're this couple is probably been fighting next door. Now they've spilled out onto the street and they're standing out in the middle of the intersection right outside my house in the middle of the night waiting for a cab and they, they're caught in, in a conflict that they cannot resolve and they've managed to boil their entire conflict down to... <laughs> you... Uh, you GD bitch. Oh, I'll just say, you goddamn bitch, you fucking asshole. You goddamn bitch, you fucking asshole. You goddamn bitch, you fucking asshole. That's it. They've boiled their entire argument in their conflict down to those two phrases, which they bellow at each other for almost one solid hour. They don't deviate. There's no 
they're not extrapolating upon why, you know, this person is this. So there's no color commentary. There's no, it's just these two inflammatory statements shrieked back and forth at each other. And then the cab shows up. And he's like, well, get in the cab. We're going. And she's like, I'm not getting in that cab, you effing asshole. And I was like, I was getting out of bed because I was going to enter this conversation and like, you two idiots are getting in that goddamn cab and getting the hell out of my neighborhood. Like, and I, it was just that we've joked about that couple for years because they like epitomize people who are trapped in a conflict that they cannot resolve because they have no creative tools or abilities to bring any new approach to the situation. So creativity, oh my God, it's so important for all of us. And I, I stick to my guns that sharing frustrations and failures is as important or maybe more so for those people who are around us than our successes. So here's what I've taken away. I had this incredible summer where I believed overwhelmingly in my competency and my what an incredible person I would have been for this position. I, I was so excited. And I know the energy I would have brought to that and the ideas that I would have brought to that um, for the next two years, I, I believe I would have made a massive difference in this city. And so not getting an interview, that that was probably the biggest takeaway for me, because it would have been one thing if I would have made a short list and gone and interviewed and then, you know, followed up on how I presented myself on paper with, you know, being there in person. And if I didn't get it, then it'd be like, wow, I guess somebody else really must have knocked it out of the park. But to be to, to be as qualified and as experienced as I know I am and to not even get an interview, that was then very striking to me. And I had to sit back and go, OK, whoa. Why is this? And I bet you it doesn't have anything to do about my resume at all or my competency at all. So what do I take away from this experience? Well, a renewed um, belief in myself, a recognition I've never actually seen about what, what uh, a portfolio I have put together over these last years, the, the sheer number of people that I've met, uh, the impact that I've had on an individual level with people who sometimes follow up, who sometimes write me emails, or if I get back to their community, they'll stop me in a hallway or they'll stop me on the street and they'll tell me stories. I remember you from four years ago and you said this or you did that and this is what it did for me, and I've never stopped. It opened up this door, and I do this now, and I do that now, or I believe in myself, or I'm pursuing this. like, Or to see it on a community level. Um, I hadn't been able to see that, or I'd never stopped to kind of appreciate that. And it helped me to uh, then go, okay, if I'm going to recalibrate this artist-in-residency position for the city isn't going to happen. What am I going to do in the next 
two years. And because I had gone through this process of really analyzing the experiences and, and everything and, and the education and what I've brought, um, I was able to turn that disappointment and discouragement into a determination to create something new, new programs, to reach out to new communities, to, uh, to not, you know, to continue to, to I, I remind myself not to tether my hope and my belief in myself to success and failure from outside of me. Like um, that somebody else has said, oh, yeah, you're good. You're, you're great or you're worthy. It's like to find the resolution in myself to go, do I know who I am? Do I suck? Do I did I deserve an interview? Absolutely. Would I put myself up against whoever they've hired? Absolutely. It's not a competition, but I'd blow them out of the water. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I probably blew that. <laughs> I was probably laughing too loud into my microphone, but I haven't said that out loud to anybody but myself and my dog. Oh, my dog. He's like so supportive. I'm really, really happy that we have like the relationship that we do because he's such a good listener. We go for hikes on the mountain and oh my God, does he listen to me. And the way he just looks up at me and just like seems to smile as his little ears are like bobbing along. I just know he like supports me unconditionally and I just love that. Like that's just so incredible. Like that's what we all need, right? So... Uh, every time I get to the end of being creative podcast, I love saying, you know, being creative, it's a mindset, it's a lifestyle, it, it produces an energy that empowers resiliency and the confidence to face the challenges life throws at us and that process creates momentum and my crappy experience this summer has produced creative momentum. It will for me. It will continue to do that for me, but it will for you too. So if your story sucks right now, if your story has been filled with frustration and disappointments and discouragements, I get it. I super get it. And I hope that you will reach out. I hope you will like comment um, uh, to this uh, podcast. I hope you'll drop me an email at info at rickleaf.com. I hope you'll find me on one of the social networks. I, unfortunately, I'm everywhere. Um, not because I want to, it's because I haven't closed them down fast enough. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But uh, I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you got something out of it. Please feel free to leave a comment or ask a question. And always remember, we're here because we're capable of infinitely more than we give ourselves credit for. So until next time.